Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast, and thank you for joining with us to worship and learn more about God. We are so excited to have you be a part of this week's service. For more podcasts and services from past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, enjoy the message. Welcome to Renaissance. I, um, I had this moment during worship where I, I realized as we were singing the second song where we say the line, I will make room for you, that, that sometimes uh, during our moments of worship, while we set that aside to honor God and, and express thankfulness to him, that it's sometimes in the words of the song that God actually can minister and wants to minister to us. And, and I was really impressed by that phrase, I will make room for you. And I I, I can't help but get over, which is why I'm opening with this, that, that maybe there's some of us who came in today and we've got just some stuff in the way. And we had a really hard time connecting with him during worship. We had a hard time connecting with him as we took communion together. And while we sang that song, I will make room for you, I, won't, I wonder how many of us have, have actually done that today during worship or, or yet need to do that so that that we can just move some of the stuff aside that's in the way for us to receive what God would have us to receive from him. So before we go any further, I just want to take a moment and just be silent for a minute and then pray for us that, that we would make room for him to do whatever he wants. This is not usual here. We don't always do this sort of thing here at Renaissance, but I real, feel really strongly about this today that, that, that God wants some of us to to make some room for him. So would you just take a moment with me and Lord, some of us came in today with offense that's in the way. Some of us came in today with pain that's in the way. Some of us came in today with sin that is in the way and and we just want to make room for you. So we push those things aside and we lay them aside and we say they belong to you. You're the one who can remove them from us. You're the one who can heal us of what hurts. You're the one who can rescue us of what damages. And so we, we give it to you and, and we say that you have space to come in and do whatever you want to. You will use the words of the Bible to do that for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my name is Joe and I am one of the leaders here. And I have the privilege of continuing our series in the book of 1 John. We love to study the Bible together. Typically, what we've always done in the past is, is open up the Bible and just study a book. And we start chapter 1, verse 1, which is what Pastor Josh did last week. And we go all the way, work our way through the book, which is what we're continuing today. So we'll be in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. So if you have a Bible with you, I would like to invite you to go ahead and open to 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-10. through 10. If you don't have a Bible with you, we're going to put the words up on the screen so you can still read along. But I say this all the time, if you don't have a Bible with you because you don't own a Bible, we want you to have one. So before you leave today, stop at the welcome station and meet a nice person there who will be happy to get a free Bible into your hands. We believe that this is the most important and life-changing, tangible tool that any of us have 
Whether we're followers of Jesus or not, it's the most important life-changing tool we can put our hands on, and we want everybody to have a copy. So before you leave, just outside the overhead door in that space we call the gallery at the welcome station, somebody can get a Bible into your hand. So let's go ahead and read 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. It says this, This is the message we've heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of his son Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Lord, thank you so much for your word, for the Bible, that it is life-giving, and I pray that you would give us life today through its pages. Use my feeble words and my inadequate expression to communicate what you want us to know about your son Jesus today. In Jesus' name, amen. It, uh, we have reached that time of year where um, I sweat if I peel an orange, so, and I forgot my preacher rag today, so you'll have to forgive me if it gets a little frothy up here, but ain't nobody here but us, and we're family, so it's going to be, it's going to be fine. Um, about 10 years ago or so, I had the privilege of being part of an improv comedy team that um, we actually got to have a couple shows hosted here at Renaissance. Our team was called Jimprov, which to me, in retrospect, feels like a really dumb name. But for some reason, it stuck with the people who were in the group and the people who came to our shows. We had a couple of shows. We actually charged people to come and watch us be funny. It was a really fun and exciting thing, one of the top 10 experiences of my life. And uh, if you're unfamiliar with improv comedy, you're probably familiar with the show Whose Line Is It Anyway? which is all improv comedy. And if you're not familiar with that, I'll explain improv comedy to you just a little bit. It's improv comedy, it's a shortened word of improvisational comedy. So it, it's all improvised. It's, it's basically made up on the spot. There's no script. There's no storyline. You, you don't have a, a routine that you're doing. What you're doing is the team members of the improv comedy team, because it's usually more than one person who's working together, they will get on stage and they'll ask the audience some questions. For example, if you're playing a game called Party Quirks, which is one of my favorite games to play, which looks like this. There's one of the team members who's the host of a party. That's his, that's his character. He's going to host a party. And at this party, he's going to have three guests come to his door and he's got he's to make it funny to host them for the audience. And the trick is that he doesn't know the identity of the three guests. So the host of the party leaves the room and then the three guests of the party come out and they'll ask the audience something like this. Somebody shout out the name of a celebrity. And maybe somebody says Oprah before anyone else. Okay, great. Now that person's going to come to the party as Oprah. So when they come in, they're going to pick up a glass of lemonade and say, everybody gets lemonade or something like that. Are, are you following me, with me how this works? Well, well, I'm playing this game once um, in front of an audience. We're playing party quirks and I'm one of the guests and it's my turn to get a prompt from the audience. And I say, give me something that is intangible, something that you can't 
hold on to with your hands and somebody shouts out, the dark. Oh, great. Okay. So I'm going to come to this party as the dark. So if you can imagine, now I've got about 45 seconds to think about, okay, if the dark were a person coming to a party, what would it say and what would it do? What are the characteristics of darkness? And so I just come in and I sit next to the host and I say, oh my gosh, I can't see you all of a sudden. And somebody's like, well, let me get a light. And I scream, no, I'll leave. Just little things like that. You, you have to think about, like, what are the characteristics of the darkness in here? Well, I was thinking about that this week because of this passage and how John says that it's possible for us to walk in darkness. Now, that's a, a spiritual term, to walk in darkness. It's also a spiritual thing, to walk in the light. And the Bible gives us many examples of darkness and light because it often relates uh, the struggle that we experience in life between our own will and God's will, between good and evil, if you will, uh, but as the, the difference between darkness and light. So the Bible throughout says different things like this. It says that the light, speaking of Jesus, shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. Jesus said this of himself, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. He also said, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. The Bible says that those of us who are followers of Jesus have been called out of darkness and into God's marvelous light. It also says that we should take no part in the unfruitful or unhelpful or unuseful works of darkness, but instead expose them. It says this, that for at one time, before we were followers of Jesus, we were darkness, but now we are light in the Lord. The Bible says that light, speaking of Jesus, has come into the world, but people loved the darkness more than their light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the way of the wicked is like deep darkness, and they do not know over what they stumble. The Bible also says that people have not honored God as God or given thanks to him as God, but having become futile in our thinking, our foolish hearts become darkened. And it also gives us this encouragement to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. And the Bible speaks of light in that way as an armor, as a shield, as something that can protect us from the darkness. And it says this, that God is that Light. God is the protection from the darkness. It doesn't tell us that God is in the light, but that he is the light. He, he's not a light that is like a fire that is kindled or can be quenched. He just exists as the light that illuminates all things. He is not illuminated by anything. We cannot shed light on God. He casts light on all things. And when it says this, in verse 5, that in him is no darkness at all. It literally means there's not one speck of darkness in God. And so what are some of the characteristics of darkness? Because if there's a warning against walking in the darkness, we should probably know what that looks like to be doing that. Some of the characteristics of darkness look like this. If you think about the things that will grow in the light... I didn't plan on telling this, but I'm just going to reveal a little bit of a, a pain in my life right now. So Pastor Jeff has been growing this plant 
in his office uh, for over a year now. He randomly got these weird seeds. It's kind of a weird, kind of a cool story, but he got these seeds and he put them in a thing. And the first Sunday we had our first service in this space after our two years long building project, that plant bloomed. Isn't that cool? So for Pastor Jeff, he's like, well, this means something. <laughs> this means something. So he's been caring for this little plant. It means a lot to him, this little plant does. It's really cool to watch the way he cares for it. Well, now it's like grown over out of the pot. And the day he left the office for his sabbatical, he brought that plant to me. <laughs> and he put it in front of me and he said, Joe, this is very important to me. And I've been taking good care of it. And this plant means something. Well, okay, you got it. You got it, Jeff. I'll do, I'll do whatever I can. I've been praying for that plant every day. <laughs> so I take the plant and I put it in my office and I've been watering it and I realized last week, this past week, I'm like, I don't, I don't have a window in my office. It's not getting sunlight. <laughs> What's going to happen to this plant? Some plants need light to grow. Some things need the light to grow. Some things need darkness to grow, like fungus <laughs> needs a darkness to grow. Mold needs darkness to grow. Things that are unhealthy grow in the dark. Another characteristic of darkness is that darkness is where things can be hidden. Darkness is where, is where things can be kept from other people. Darkness is where secrets can be held. Darkness is where other people don't get to see what's really going on. As I was praying about this message this week, I always ask God to speak to me and through me. And, and I got this very real sense, and I'm not trying to oversell this, I promise you, but I just got this very real sense that maybe some of the people in our church family here Maybe even some of us in this room are walking in darkness. Maybe some of us are living with things hidden deeply that God would want to bring to the light to expose, to heal us from it. We think it's a secret forever. There's no such thing as a secret forever. It's, it's going to come out. It's going to come out. And so um, better for us to bring it into the light to the Lord ourselves. There's a story in the Old Testament as God has rescued his people, the nation of Israel, from slavery in the land of Egypt, and he's bringing them into what he called the land he promised to give them, the promised land. He instructs them on how to conquer that land. And so they go to this city named Jericho and they conquer it. If you're familiar with the story, maybe you're not, but it's a really cool story. All they do is march around the walls of the city seven times and on the seventh time they shout and blow some trumpets and the walls of the city just fall down and they go in and take everything. It's kind of awesome. It's a miracle that God did to provide for his people. Well, the next city that they go into are going to conquer, God says to them, when you get into the city, don't take anything with you. Leave everything in that city and devote it to me. And this is a much smaller city. I'm sorry. 
It's in the, <laughs> I've messed up the story. It's in the city of Jericho that God says, don't take all of, don't take anything with you, just conquer the city. So they go in and there's this guy named Aiken who walks into somebody's apartment and they're one of those people who don't trust the FDIC and they've got like a, a, a briefcase stuffed with cash under their bed and he finds this briefcase and he's like, whoa, <laughs> what would you do? He just takes it with him, even though God had said it's all supposed to be devoted to me. And so he takes it with him to his tent and he buries it underneath his tent and hides it so no one else will know that he's got that secret stash. Well, when it comes time for them to conquer the next city, which was a much smaller city and a much weaker army in this city, they only sent up a few of their own soldiers to conquer it because it should have been so easy. And when they get to this city, they're so completely routed by the enemy army that they can't believe what's happened. And they can only suspect that this happened because God is displeased with them somehow. And so they turn to him and ask, what have we done? And it is revealed to them that someone has disobeyed God and has stolen something and is hiding it. And there's a, 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 an exhortation given to God's people in that story that says, you can be sure that your sin will find you out. You can hide it for a time, but the truth is it's not really a secret because God knows he is the light. He sees it already. We think we've got it under the cover of darkness. God already knows. And I can tell you from my own experience that he loves us too much to let us keep it in the darkness for too long. I can tell you that I've had a period of time in my life where I kept something in deep darkness and God sent someone to me that I trusted and they said to me, God told me this about you. And it was that very thing that no one else should have known. God loves us too much to leave us in the darkness. It will be exposed. So better for us if we say we have fellowship with him, verse 6, to not lie but practice the truth and not walk in the darkness. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. It, this, this exposing of our darkness looks like being a part of this community of light, which is what the church is supposed to be, where, where we're able to come together in spite of our, our flaws and of the deepest things that we want to hide, in spite of the, the sins that are within us that we don't want anyone to know about, that we can come into one another's presence and have fellowship with one another and experience through our relationships the, the forgiveness and cleansing that is available from the blood of Jesus, the Son of God. That is one of the most important roles of the church is our relationship with one another to remind us yes joe you're forgiven yes joe you're free yes joe the blood of jesus has cleansed you now there is in opposition to i believe the community of light there is a community of darkness, and there's not a label we can put on it. There's, there's not an organization. It's not like they have a written agenda, but it, it looks like this. Any, any group or any person or, or, or any movement that would attempt to push us away from the truth of who Jesus is is part of the community of darkness. The community of darkness speaks what does not come from Jesus. John wrote this letter in response 
to the message of a community of darkness at that time that was opposed to the church, that was teaching false things, that was saying that Jesus didn't have a physical body. It was saying that since Jesus didn't have a physical body, our physical bodies don't even matter. And since our physical bodies don't even matter, it doesn't matter what we do. So you can do whatever you want. You can disobey God as much as you want. You can live however you want to. God's way isn't better. And so John writes this letter to the church to refute these things. And in verse 5, he says that we've heard this message from him, from Jesus himself. And he told us in verse 1 of this book that he saw him. He saw Jesus with his eyes. He touched him with his hands. He heard him with his ears. He was in the very presence of Jesus, and he says, I heard the message from him, and I heard it from him, and now I want to tell it to you. The community of darkness says things that are opposed to the truth of who Jesus is as revealed in the Bible. This is our foundation. This teaches us about who Jesus is, nothing else. Uh, my own philosophy, um, my own special knowledge that I think I might get in, a, in an experience with God. Nothing teaches us more about who Jesus is than what we find in these books. Because the people who wrote it, especially in the pages of the New Testament, stood in his presence and saw him. And God, the Bible says, breathed into them the words that are in this book. But the community of darkness is posed to it, and you can always determine if someone is a part of the community of darkness because they hinder and hate those of us who are in the light. Here's some of the characteristics of, of this community of darkness. It's full of deceit. It wants to deceive people. It wants to teach people that Jesus is not the only way to salvation. It, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the only way to salvation, or he's the only way into heaven, if you will. He's the only way to have a relationship with God. And this is not because God is stingy. It's not because God says, this is the way it's going to be, and there's no other way, and you better do it my way. It's not the reason. It's because there is no other way. No one else came to save us. No one else is coming to help us. Jesus is the only way. It's not me, it's, it's, not, it's not any other world religion, it's not even the religion of Christianity, it's Jesus Christ himself who has saved us, and there is a message of deceit that would rob us from that truth. The community of darkness also denies sin, which is one of the primary things that the Apostle John is writing against, and, and what that looks like is it, it not only says that we, we don't we can't sin in our bodies, that, that nothing we do is actually in opposition to God, that God doesn't have any opinion about the actions that we perform with our bodies. It, it, the denial of sin not only says that, but it also says this. It says that I'm perfect. You don't have to spend more than five minutes with me to know that's not true of me. 
And I've spent more than that with some of you, and I know that's not true (laughs) of some of you. None of us are perfect, and and the community of darkness would deny sin and and say that, that, that everyone is perfect. It's not true. It's an impossible standard. It's not the truth that's revealed in God's word. And another thing that the community of darkness does is it deserts its stragglers. The moment we try to step into the light, we're left behind and cut off. And you can, you can tell the community of light from the community of darkness by how quickly and how easily you can be cut off from it. It is the, the purpose of the church to, to welcome us together, to, to bring us together and to not cut us off. Now, this is a hard thing for me to say because I've got that switch that I can just flip and instantly someone's cut off. This is challenging for me to, to remember that that's not what God's people do. So what's the answer to this? What's the answer to, to that? What's the, what's the thing that will rescue us from the darkness? And it's coming into the light. It's walking in the light. Verse 7, as he is in the light. I don't own one white, one plain white shirt it doesn't have a stain on it. In fact, this shirt probably has a stain on it. Coffee stains, ravioli stains, you name it, a stain on it. And, and every time I put on a white shirt, I forget that it's stained if I didn't get a chance to bleach it or if my wife didn't see me after the stain occurred. And so every time I put a white shirt on, I'm discouraged like, oh no, there's a stain on that shirt. I can't wear that out. The only way I could wear this is if I was going to meet somebody in complete darkness, which feels a little creepy. And so I'm robbed of getting to wear my white shirts because I think I look pretty good in white. And so I don't get to wear them because they all have stains on them unless I were to be completely in the darkness. The thing about the light is that it exposes stains. And so it keeps me from putting on my white shirts because I don't want you to know I'm just an idiot man child who can't control his food and his drink when, when he's wearing a white shirt. And so I hide those white shirts from my wife now even, because I don't want her to realize what she married. <laughs> the light exposes, and it, it can cause shame because it exposes the things that we don't want other people to see. It exposes the stains, and this is many times why we're hesitant to come into the light of Jesus, because we're afraid of being exposed. The difference between Uh, physical light and the light of God is this, is that when we step into the light of Jesus, he not only exposes our stains so that we can see that they were there, but instantly cleanses us from them as well. He cleanses us from the stain. Now the word translated cleanses us here in verse seven is the Greek word that we get our word catharsis from or cathartic. In our consciousness, we understand what that catharsis or a cathartic thing is typically something that's kind of mindless and easy to do that, that gives us the opportunity to kind of shed some negative thoughts and emotions. For some of you, maybe it's painting is cathartic for you. For me, it's mowing my front yard. That is cathartic for me. It's just going back and forth in a in a regular motion, don't have to think too much about it, just kind of let off some of the negative things. 
The Bible says that when we come into the light of Jesus, we experience this catharsis, this casting off of negative things, this cleansing of negative things from us, and it comes from stepping into the light. Now, the Bible gives us this picture in three of the Gospels, which are the three the biographies of Jesus, essentially, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He gives us a story of a man who was a leper. Now, leprosy in that time was kind of a blanket term for anyone who had a skin condition that people were afraid of, that made other people think, oh no, this might be contagious, I might get sick if I had this. So, so if someone was, was labeled as a leper, they were required to be cut off completely from the community. They actually lived with other lepers in what we know as leper colonies so that they couldn't infect people who were not yet infected. They were cut off from their family. They were cut off from the temple. They could not worship God because of their disease. The Bible gives us a story of one of these men, a leper, who comes to Jesus. Now, he's already breaking the rules because a leper was required by the law. If someone were to approach them, they had to stop them and shout, I'm unclean. If you get any closer, the thing that's wrong with me is going to make you messed up too. But this leper, for some reason, thinks Jesus can make a difference. And he comes to Jesus in Luke 5, verse 12, It says that he comes to Jesus, and when he saw him, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. He can tell he's a leper, and Jesus is breaking the rules because the leper is supposed to stay away from everybody else. But The leper says, if you will, I believe you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched him and said, I will, I'm willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Now, I always read this as hearing the leper say, Lord, if you're willing to heal me, I believe you can make me clean. But what I really think he was saying, based on the response of Jesus, who touched him before he said anything, was this, I think the leper is saying, Lord, if you're willing to touch me, I believe you can make me clean. Some of us are afraid of coming to Jesus because we think we're so dirty, he does not want to touch us. We think we're so dirty that he cannot approach us. But here comes a man who puts Jesus's life in danger with his disease and says, if you're willing to touch me, I believe you can make me clean. And without hesitation, Jesus, the ultimate tide stick, reaches out his hand and immediately makes him clean. We have to be willing to approach Jesus and let the catharsis of his life, his light, change our lives. I'm running out of time, so I'll, I'll quickly go through the importance of what uh, this light does. In verse 9, it says, if we confess our sin. So at verse 8, it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. All we have to do is, is look just barely under the surface and see that we have sin. We're, we're deceiving ourselves if we say there's nothing in us that Jesus has to touch. Verse 9, but if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just 
to forgive us. Now, he's not saying, if you don't admit what you've done wrong, I'm going to withhold forgiveness from you. That's not what he's saying, because he's already purchased forgiveness for us through his death on the cross. It's ours. The cleansing is ours. He's already forgiven us. What he's saying is, you're missing out on the catharsis of confession when you keep it hidden and Within, We're missing out on the healing that takes place, as the book of James tells us, when we confess our faults to one another, we're healed. There's a, a beauty in the restoration that comes from saying to another person, I was wrong. Not hard to say, oh, I was wrong. And then being fully accepted in that moment, fully taken in, we get to, to dispense this cleansing to one another in the beauty of confession. The wonderful thing about the light of God um, that he shines on us and cleanses us with um, is that he, he bought it for us. Not with money, not with, not with any kind of treasure, but he, he bought it for us with his death on the cross. We, we owed a debt to him through our sin, and none of us could pay it. And, and Jesus willingly laid down his life for us so that we could be completely forgiven. And when he did this, what he did was he purchased for us a full and complete cleansing. And, and not only are we just clean now so that I, I, I'm clean again until I mess up again, or I'm clean until I think the wrong thought, or I'm clean until I say the wrong thing. The Bible says that once and for all, he gave his life to cleanse us completely. He has made us as clean as Jesus is. Some of us came in this morning, and going back to the beginning when I, when I said we're having trouble making room for God, maybe what's in the way is that we feel so dirty and if we've come to Jesus, what we need to know is that we're as clean as he is. There's no sin in Jesus. When God looks at us through his light, he sees the cleanness of his son, Jesus. That's why we don't get to walk around saying, I've done such a good job. I have no sin. What we do is say, Jesus has done such a good job of rescuing me. He had no sin, and his sinlessness was given to me. He, he traded it. He took my sinfulness and gave me his sinlessness so that we could be clean before him. Lord, we're so thankful that you have made us clean. We're so thankful that we are righteous because of you. Lord, I pray for those of us who are walking in the darkness, those of us who have things hidden, those of us who, who have problems with one another that we've yet to confess to that person, Lord, I pray that you will help us to step into the light and let you make us clean. I thank you that it's easy for you. It's just what you do. You just make us clean. So we come to you, Lord, as people who are unworthy, but now counted worthy because of the worth you've placed on us. And we say, Lord... We need you to touch us and make us clean. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. 
So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. We can't wait to hear from you. 